Good morning and welcome. It's that time once again. The Patriot Radio News Hour bringing sanity to a world that seemingly has gone absolutely nuts. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. Legal, lawful, biblical tender. Talking about gold and silver, it is what we do and Quite honestly, we do it better than anybody. The website at allamericangold.com, because you know what? It's about education. It's about putting out the ability for people to really understand what's happening. This is, you know, especially today, everything has to be what's happened in the last couple of hours. And somehow that has got to be the big deal of the day, and, and you miss what's really happened. And I'm going to tell you, what what I've found in the last 24 hours is it's incredible of what is really happening. And think about what I've talked about all this week. We know when you get volatility like this, and I, and I don't know how many days it is now, uh, where we've traded triple digits again today, same thing. Right? Triple digits every day, up, down, and even the few days where there wasn't a triple digit move, the Dow moved hundreds of points throughout the day, but ended up under you know plus or minus less than a hundred points. But yet, like like uh, what I think was it Monday. It may have been Monday, where the Dow was up 400 and then lost it all and only finished up 40 points. But when you have the volatility like this, we know what it means. Right? That's the end of a cycle. And you're getting ready for the next leg of the cycle. Right out on the front page, we have the charts from yesterday. Jeffrey Gunlock, one of my guys, dude. He is top five, probably top three guys that I think when you when they say things, you need to pay attention. And here's the thing I love about Jeff. He puts numbers on it, right? All, all, well, you know, this, then, I, I'm not sure when or how or this or that, right? You hear all that stuff. No, he puts numbers on it. You go back to last year. He gave you a number on the bond market. Said once the bond market passes this number, it's over. Right? That number was two point six three percent. When did all the crazy volatility start? Yeah, when the Dow passed two point six three percent. The guy's got some obviously a lot of street cred. Of course he's a billionaire. <laughs> Right, a lot of really, really, really rich people. You know, you know, not people that we hang out with. Right, the the one tenth of one percent. Uh, they give him, they give him their money. Thirteen seventy five is the number he put on gold. Now gold's down twenty dollars. Well, eighteen dollars today, right? Because. Maybe we're not going to bomb Syria. And all these distractions, they don't mean a thing. The real problem is the debt market. Why is it that we're now having the volatility? Why is it 
that that Gunlot said 2.63 on the Treasury because he knew that's where the problem was. Today, the largest bond fund in the world, PIMCO, remember that was Bill Gross used to work there, they came out with a note. You're not going to see it anywhere. Turn on the Billionaire Channel, you'll see, I, I don't even know, I think the Dow's up 200 points today, right? You're not going to see it. They want to pretend it's not happening. What happened at the Treasury auctions? Earlier this week, we heard that China may not be participating in the Treasury auction. Last, well, yesterday, we auctioned off 10-year notes. And we know this. Most of the debt that we roll over is very short-term, three and six months. Uh, up to two years, you really get probably 75, maybe even 85% of all the debt sold is two years or less. But when the debt gestation periods, if you will, are longer, we're starting to have big problems. I'm going to give you the numbers from yesterday's 10-year auction. Nobody's saying anything. But somebody was missing. That's all I'm going to say. I'll give you those, uh, what's happening there in those auctions. Uh, we'll get to that today. Uh, we're going to, to uh, cover a lot of different areas when it comes to work today. There was a big headline on Drudge today about jobless claims below 300,000. That's a record. And we're supposed to cheer and clap. Uh, I will finally tell you this. The Federal Reserve, and again, you're not going to see this either. They finally admitted that that wacko from Phoenix is right again about the jobs market. And it's not going to change. So get ready. Uh, I'll tell you what they said. Here's the future for all the, the kids out there and your grandkids for all the college debt that they're going to rack up. I'm going to give you what their future is going to be. Picture Radio News Hour. Don't touch that dial. Rocking and firing. Picture Radio News Hour. And and I'm going to say it's, it's not a, a surprise or a shock. Why do people listen here? I mean, they used to listen because Eric was hilarious. And let's face it. He told you what was coming way before it ever happened. I'm not nearly as funny. I'm more funny looking than I am funny. But I will say this. The same thing still applies. We tell you the news way before you hear it anywhere else. Right? We've been talking about jobs in this country for how long? I don't care what they say the unemployment rate is. They can come out and we created a million jobs next month. And it won't change a thing. Because the jobs that they're creating today are not the jobs of yesteryear. You're not getting 40 hours a week. Let's face you know, you go back, even when I started in the workforce, okay, in the late 80s, early 90s, 
If you were a go-getter, right, you got 40 hours plus. I mean, if you were one of those guys and the boss knew he could count on you, you could work 50 hours, 60 hours. Today, you don't get 40. You don't get benefits most of the time. They've changed all the, again, they changed all the laws, and you don't even know what's happening. Right? You know, I'll use, I had my buddy, my buddy Todd was in the other day. Just, you know, great clients turned into a really good, uh, a good friend of mine, and, and, and we are talking about the airport. He works for one of the airlines, doesn't matter who, one of the big ones. And we're talking about, you know, when I was a kid, right, you used to be able to go into the airport, you know, 30 minutes before your flight left, and just walk in there, walk down to the terminal, and get on the plane, right? You used to be able to go right to the gate when uh, mom or dad or your brother or sister or somebody was, grandma was flying into town, you'd go right to the gate and wait for them right there. Right then they then they said, you know what? Okay, that's over. And now you got to show up to the airport two hours before your flight leaves. Right, and, and you, at first you had to get your stuff scanned, and you couldn't go to the gate without a ticket anymore. Then you had to get your stuff scanned, and you had to take off your shoes. Then you had to get your your your. Uh, your stuff scanned, you had to pull out your electronic devices, take off your shoes, get the naked body scan, and I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And you gotta pay Homeland Security fees and all these other fees and all this other stuff. The same thing's happening with our money, little by little, the same thing's happening with our jobs, the exact same things, we're getting less and less. The only difference is you don't notice it until you go to the airport, right? When I was going to Denver, we flew to Denver. Wendy and I flew to Denver, right? We don't fly a lot. If I can drive, I, I'm, I'm driving. That's just me. But the, you know, think about it. You got to go there two hours before your flight leaves. Wait in the line, I mean... Then you got to fly. A lot of times you can drive there almost in the same amount of time. Both of us got pulled over, if you will. You know, when you went through the airport live for, you know, the bags, they, they, they're scanning your bags. And Wendy had bath salts in her luggage. I know, it's horrible, right, these bath salts. Which, by the way, that was easily a 10-minute ordeal for them. I mean, it, it was it was nuts. She went through the line before me, and I still got done before she did. I got pulled over, ready for my horrible crime. I had my calculator in my, in my uh, computer bag. I, I pulled out my laptop, and I pulled out my mouse. I pulled all that stuff out. I, I didn't deem a calculator as an electronic device and I, and I get pulled over 
right? They take my stuff and they pull out this calculator and they're they're rubbing this white cloth all over the calculator and stick it in this machine to see if it has, I guess, uh, I, I don't know, the uh, residue of a bomb or something. And I was thinking, I, and, I, and I didn't, because I didn't want to get in trouble, but I felt like asking the guy, you, you sent it through the scanner. Now, if I had taken it out and put it with the, the mouse in the, the laptop, the scan wouldn't have been any different, right? You see, it sees right through everything, right? The scan would have been the same, but I wouldn't have had you to come and get it wiped down. So uh, you wiped it down because I didn't take out the calculator. I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, well, next time if I add it, if it was a bomb, I guess I'll just take it out and let it go through, and then I'll be fine. I, it's ridiculous. It made, it made no sense. But nothing does anymore. And the problem is you don't go to a new job that often, so you don't know what's happening. Right? You're going to have a hard time relating to what your grandkids or what your kids are really going through. Because you're going to think the job and this is what you get when you go to work. You don't get what you used to get. You don't get to go show up a half hour before the flight leaves and go walk right to your gate. That's gone. And instead of going through the body scanner and taking out the electronic devices and removing the shoes, instead of that, here's what you get to look forward to today. A contract, part-time work, no, little to no benefit. If they can give you no benefits, you're going to get none. If they do offer benefits and they're not the government, Right, you're paying big money for it. But don't worry, a lot of them won't even offer the 401, and the ones that do, trust me, it's not really worth it. So the big headline on Drudge today, record streak of jobless claims below 300,000. Now you think about the last 10 years. Would anybody mistake the last 10 years as the greatest 10 years in American history? Would anybody say that? Of course not. Right? It, it would be one of the, well, at least as how they track recoveries. One of the worst recoveries from a recession they've ever seen. But yet somehow we're going to set a record for jobless claims being under 300,000, right? And they want you to feel real good about it. Listen, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to feel bad about it. I just want you to know why. And the answer is simple. Mo and when I say most, I'm not talking about 51% or 55 or 60. About 85% of all the new jobs that have been created in this record streak are part-time, temporary, and contract work. Most of which you don't get to file unemployment for, for, for unemployment benefits. If you're a uh, temporary or you're contract worker, you don't get to file. 
If you're part-time, you usually work more than one job. You don't get to file. And so, like I said, instead of having to go through the scanner and take off your shoes and pull out your electronic devices, the jobs market today is you don't get benefits, you don't get the file, the work is, is contract, seasonal, part-time. And this is why you're going to college and racking up record levels of debt. This was out of the San Francisco Federal Reserve today. Well, I guess it may not have been today, but this week. Talking about millions of new jobs, falling unemployment without any signs of paychecks getting any bigger. High numbers of Americans now have part-time jobs but want full-time positions. It's never been higher. By the way, the guy that runs the San Francisco Fred, uh, John Williams, not Shadow Stats John Williams, different guy. Right? They want him to take over as the, uh, the vice chair, the number two in the Federal Reserve. So, yeah, that's wonderful. They're calling it the trend. Okay, trend. You can put any word on it. This is just fact. Involuntary part-time <laughs> now appears to be a permanent problem. According to a blog post Wednesday by the San Francisco Federal Reserve. See, they know. They're out there trying to, oh, yeah, well, we, we got to be worried about wage inflation, and we're watching, we're being vigilant, and we have these meetings every six weeks, and we, we get together, and you know what? We get subsidized lunches for all our employees, and we can tell you that there's no inflation anywhere. And don't you worry. The job market, the wages are going to pick up any second here. Right? They've been telling us that crap for years. And then you find out today, not by turning on the, the idiot box, okay? You can booyah all you want. I love Jim Cramer. You know, I because he's passionate, but here's the reality. This is what is really happening out here. And they know it. It says that the current unemployment rate of 4.1%. The number of involuntary part-time workers should be much lower, but it's 40% higher now than it was when in, in 2000. Think about that for a minute. Remember what I just told you. In the last 10 years, most of the jobs created by a large margin are these type of jobs that the San Francisco Fed just put on their blog. You go all the way back 18 years ago, and the number of people in this position has jumped 40%. Nearly nine years after the Great Recession ended, there are still more involuntary part-time workers 
than there was before the crisis began. Of course there is. And again, they come out and they try to tell you, oh, they love it. Yeah, everybody loves it. Right? Just the next time you're in an Uber or a Lyft, just ask your driver, you know, oh, yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah, I love driving people around. It's great. Really? Would you rather just work one job, get benefits, and be able to, to pay a mortgage and raise a family? You know they would. And they go on and they talk about in their blog how the part-time problem holds grave consequences for those who cannot get out of it. Involuntary part-time workers five times more likely to live in poverty. Right? And guess what? It's the number one job growth engine of America. And of course, why? They changed the law. This didn't used to be law. Again, they want Wall Street profits. Why did we allow for China to kill us on trade? Wall Street wanted profits. Why did we allow for businesses to to not have to offer people full-time work like they used to? They wanted more profits. Patriot Radio News Hour, final or halftime on a Thursday. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Despite his headline-grabbing indictment of Russian nationals for interfering with the U.S. election, Special Counsel Robert Mueller found no evidence of collusion between any Russians and the Trump campaign. Mueller indicted 13 Russians who apparently operated a troll farm in St. Petersburg, Russia's second-largest city, by purchasing ads on Facebook and sending provocative messages to Americans via social media. According to Mueller's indictment, the Russian effort to sow turmoil, confusion, and division started in 2014, well before Trump announced he was running for president. These 13 Russians will never be extradited to face trial in the United States, The indictments are a mere political ploy by Mueller. The bigger question is whether our social media services, such as Facebook, Google, and Twitter, will respond to the indictments by ramping up their own censoring of political speech on their platforms. Already, Facebook has announced it will hire 10,000 employees tasked with policing hate speech on its pages. But the toxic label hate speech is likely to be used as a pretext to impose a politically correct ideology on millions of unsuspecting users. Virtually all the executives of Facebook, Google, and Twitter, and most of their senior staff, were avid supporters of Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders, and they detest Donald Trump. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg even chairs a pro-amnesty lobbying group called Forward.us, whose primary mission is to oppose Donald Trump's efforts to secure the border. In the leaked emails from Clinton chairman John Podesta, Facebook's number two, Sheryl Sandberg, wrote, I still want HRC to win badly. I'm still here to help as I can. The only prominent figure in the tech world who is known to have supported Donald Trump for president is Peter Thiel, an early investor in Facebook and a member of its board of directors. After beating back an effort to remove him from Facebook's board for the heresy of supporting Trump, Peter Thiel announced he's moving both his home and his investment company to Los Angeles because he can no longer tolerate the suffocating politics of the Bay Area. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you like what you see at the Trump White House? Will President Trump continue to advance conservative ideals? At phyllisschlafly.com, you gain complete access to Phyllis Schlafly Eagles news updates and commentaries and can track our work on Capitol Hill. Go online often to phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800-951-0592. That is the toll-free number to get yourself protected. Uh, you know, we, we start, you know, we look at the details versus the headline. And that's really what, what's important. The details are what's important. And when you look at the details of the jobs market, it's not very good. And you think about, we've done everything they thought. We be, we're more educated than ever, right? We got more people with college degrees driving people around. <laughs> I, I I don't even know. Thankful. I, I guess we should be thankful for Lyft and Uber, because I don't know what a lot of people would do without it. And... and you start looking at a, gosh, I don't even know where to start. Parents in the United States can't get rid of their kids. <laughs> the share of young adults in their late 20s living with their parents is the <laughs> is the highest that they've been drink- keeping records in the last 75 years. You got to go back to the 40s to come up with a number. The share of 25 to 29 year olds living with their parents or grandparents now stands at 33 percent. One in three 25 to 29 year olds lives with mom and dad. You think they want to? Right? We pretend that they want to. Well, let's face it. You know, it is a, a, a little less abusive relationship. You know, used to be good parents. got You, you get your kids out. Right? You want to live under my rules? Heck no, I don't want to live under your rules. I'm out of here. Well, wow. I, didn't, I had no idea it was that high. You know what it was in 1970? 11 percent now 33 what do you think happened right now we 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 get a warning yesterday uh from from jeffrey gunlatch and he and he the charts are right up on our website today he goes you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist yeah there's a reason why all the volatility just started Right, and you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to come up with projections on the treasury. And let me let me show you the charts. Right, and he comes out and he produces the the uh, a chart on the dollar. And then below that, he's got a gold chart below it, and he talks about the inverse correlation between gold in the dollar and he talks about how the dollar runs in very clear trends and all of the volatility really coincides 
with the dollar getting ready to start the next leg down. And then this morning, we had PIMCO. They come out and say, hey, you know what? We got a problem. And they, 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 and they, and they, were, they were nice about it. And, 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 of course, the problem, the note that they, they produced to their clients came after the Treasury auction last night. So what happened? What is it that now has the, uh, the largest bond company in the world talking about hey we've got it we've gotten a, pro- a problem we don't want they use the word we don't want to be an alarmist but yet there's something wrong in the bond market and then you got you go out and you look at our chart uh, that we got up in in uh, on our website at allamericangold.com and then you start putting uh, the pieces of the puzzle together. The chief investment officer of PIMCO. <laughs> Market participation should become a bit more of a concern. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Of course, what is he talking about? Market, market participation in United States debt auctions. I've been talking about this now for a while. You better start recognizing what's happening. Wherever you were in the risk spectrum, hey, obviously, gold and silver were on the risk-off side of the spectrum, right? The the stock guys and the bond guys, right, that's the risk-on type. Wherever you were in the risk spectrum a year or two ago, we think you should be a touch lower. (laughs) I like that word. Just a touch. You know, a touch lower. We are not overly alarmist, but we do think it's time to take a bit of the risk off the table. And so he talked about, okay, here's why we think you should take a little risk off the table. And he mentioned specifically the participation rate in the Treasury auctions. Going back to last night's or yesterday afternoon's Treasuries, it was a mediocre three-year auction the day before. So on Tuesday, there was a three-year note auction that was mediocre. I'm I'm talking about maybe a C, right? If you're on a grading scale, C to C+. The 10-year note auction, however, was especially ugly. It was the internals that really were of concern. The bid-to-cover ratio, in other words, how many buyers were there, what fell to 
six, which in historic terms is low. Okay, so the 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 amount of people wanting to buy was historically low. But that wasn't the worst part about it. What was surprising was the sharp drop in foreign bidders, which slumped to just 53% of the final award. I'm going to tell you what that means when we get back. So, coincidence, orchestrated event, or deliberate, uh, I don't want to call it a cover-up, but where's the media to talk about this, right? They want you to pretend, oh, look, oh, the China thing ended good. Of course, it hasn't even started. Monday, there was word that China was not going to buy treasuries at the auction. And then it went away, right? We didn't hear another word about it. Yesterday, we we auctioned off 10-year notes. We do it every week. Every week, we have a 10-year note auction. Over the last six months, when the 10-year note auction occurs, two-thirds of it is bought by foreign investors, right? foreign bidders. They call them indirects, by the way. Yesterday, out of nowhere, we went from, by the way, in March, it was 66.2%. The six-month average is 66.6. There's that number again. I don't. Anyway, I don't believe in coincidences either. But there you go. You 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 need to be more convinced that there's not some trouble here. There you go. Yesterday's auction, 53 percent. We went from. Months and months, and really, if you go back years, of indirect bidders being, you know, buying two-thirds of the auction, to lo and behold, we're down to 50%. That's got to be a pretty big player that didn't show up. By the way, primary dealers were stuck holding most of the bags. They had to eat thirty-eight percent of all the of all the notes. So when you start putting it together, something's up. I don't know what. I got an idea, but it's led to Pimco to come out today saying maybe you need to be a touch less risky. I'm going to say this: if this persists. There's going to be a big problem. By the way, rates are spiking again today. Uh, the the 30 years back above three, the 10 year note is back at 284, and and of course you start wondering how are we going to to afford all of it. The deficit numbers for March came in. Nobody, you know what? I didn't see that anywhere either. 
$209 billion was the federal budget deficit for the month of March, the official number. Now, we, we had an idea. We knew it was going to be high. It actually ended up being a little higher than they anticipated, a couple billion higher than they thought. Last March's number, 176. So, you know, just some, you know, basic public school education, that's $33 billion a month, or $33 billion for the month higher. You know, and you think about, that's 20% higher. 20%. If we did that every month, which is probably going to be close, that means the, the deficit will jump about 4 Hundred billion dollars, which would put us over the 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 trillion dollar mythical creature number. Uh, but the deficit now for the first six months officially, uh, I'll round up to six hundred billion. I think it was five hundred ninety nine point seven or point eight billion dollars in the first six months of the year, and and then you find out this morning only from me that we went from indirect bidders or, you know, that's the foreigners who buy two-thirds of the 10-year note auctions every week. This week only bought 53%. And no one wants to tell you about it. There's a reason why. Uh, how about this one? And I'm just kind of putting dots together for you. You, you can decide for your for yourself uh, who's right and who's wrong. The number of people putting money in the gold the ETFs, right? That's where Wall Street puts their. Uh, who was it? Uh, Pimco said you need to to be a touch less risky. Apparently, the touch. 24 metric tons added to the gold ETFs, uh, just the 24.4 metric tons added to the gold ETF holdings uh, just in the last, uh, what, six to eight weeks. By the way, they actually broke it down. China now took 40% of the ETF market. The rest of the world, the other 60. This is how quickly they're becoming such a big player. Right now you can do you can do few, uh, crude oil contracts. Now we they've been doing gold and silver contracts for a long time. The only difference there, you actually have to have the stop. They now accounted for 40% of the adding of the global ETFs out there. So it is, it is something to see when you think about what is happening uh, in all of these markets, what's happening in the bond market, what's happening in the gold market, what is really happening inside of the jobs market, right, and all of these things, and you start to add it up, and then you, you see the volatility uh, that seemingly came out of nowhere. It starts to make a lot of sense, doesn't it? Patriot Radio, Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment coming up here, 800-951-0592. That is our toll-free number. 
Uh, I'll tell you right now. Quick look at the markets. Uh, gold's down uh, twenty bucks, thirteen thirty-six. Silver's down twenty-five cents at sixteen fifty. Uh, Silver Eagles yesterday three ninety-five, three ninety uh, on on U.S. Silver Eagle rolls. And again, the the gold to silver ratio off the charts again. I mean, it, it's it's really kind of defying the logic here. Eighty-one ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold and, and if you look at at what's happening and the money pouring into the ETS and then you 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 listen to what Pimco said to their clients about uh oh there's something going on here in people not showing up to the US debt auctions uh and too early to call it a trend but when you go from 66% to 50%, I call that worrisome. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how it ends. I really don't. I think we're going to have to, we're going to see higher rates. Uh, and not because the great jobs market and everybody's making money and all that. So that's not why. Because they're going to have to convince some people to come in and buy buy, buy all this debt that's going on out there. Uh, and I don't know where it's going to lead. You know what? I here's what I do believe: it's going to lead to a lot higher gold price and a lot higher silver price. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. That is the toll free number. Take the time. Keep adding to your portfolios, uh, and and you you're just you know you start seeing uh, whether it's two hundred billion dollars a month. This is the second month in a row that the United States ran deficits exceeding $200 billion in a month. At the same time, we are issuing record levels of debt. We're also accumulating yearly almost record levels of debt. At the same time, the, the Federal Reserve is trying to get rid of their debt. And then today we find out that they finally admitted, okay, we kind of know what's going on with the jobs, right? And the jobs are, well, they're not very good, and they're part-time, and and they're now 40% greater than they were in 2000, right? And this is the future. And then you see, hey, 25 to 29-year-olds, one out of every three still lives with their parents. Now you know why. And according to the San Francisco Federal Reserve, once you get into that, five times harder to get out. One other thing to let you know, and I know we've been talking about uh, this for a while, subprime auto loans continuing to roll over. 60-day delinquency rate of subprime autos has now risen to 5.8%. That is even higher than during the financial crisis. Again, I don't know. You tell me. Retail bankruptcies, all-time record highs. (laughs) Auto loan delinquencies, right? Higher now than they were during the Great Recession. 800-951-0592. Pedro Radio News Hour. Everyone take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. 